This is episode number 44, How to Cook Plant-Based Meals with Jane Esselstyn. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to give you the tools to live a high-performance life. Today's guest is Jane Esselstyn. Just start. Have oatmeal, have a hummus sandwich, and have pasta and red sauce. You've been eating that your whole life. It isn't a big transition. There's <laughs> new... Ooh, here I am. It just, just do it. You already have been doing it. So much of what we eat as humans already is grain, greens, and beans, whatever. It's based on a plant-based diet. It's not that weird and strange and new or foreign or needs to be transitioned to. Jane Esselstyn is a nurse and author of four cookbooks in conjunction with Engine 2 Diet and Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. And she's also a charismatic voice in the plant-based community. She is a researcher and hosts conferences for women, which we talk about in today's episode. I was excited to talk to Jane because I interviewed her brother, Rip, back in July, if you guys have heard that episode. If not, you should definitely go back, and that is probably my top downloaded episode with Rip. And her father, also Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, earlier this year. Dr. Esselstyn was fun to talk to because he was the oldest at 84 years old podcast guest we've had, and he's also an Olympian, and I think he won his Olympic medal back in the 1950s, but that's in the podcast with him. It was really cool to see that the whole Esselstyn family is involved with helping the world get healthier and making better food choices for health and longevity. I'm hoping I can one day invite myself over to their house for one of their meals because that whole family is super fun to talk to. They're really great people, and I'm really glad that Jane was able to come on the show. Jane offers some great insights on how to actually implement a plant-based diet from the food preparation side of things. We talked about the easiest meals you can make, what to use instead of salt, sugar, and oils, whether green juice is actually healthy, and we also talk about protein, of course, and where she gets her inspiration for recipes, and the fact that you don't need oil to saute your food. And I know that when I changed my diet, I was cutting way back, if not eliminating oil, and figuring out that I actually didn't need oil to saute my vegetables was a really big deal. Jane's husband, Brian, also makes some cameo appearances in the show, and he himself has competed in Ironman triathlons and endurance sports, so it was really cool to hear his input. Things are rolling along over here in Kelowna, British Columbia. I am back from Europe. That was a crazy trip. In the next episode, Matt and I will be talking about my experience at Andalusia bike race in Spain with all the mud and all the glory and also answer all the questions that you guys have sent us. And feel free to send messages on Facebook, on Instagram, and also through my website if you wanna send in questions before the next episode. Admittedly, I've been pretty tired since my trip and just trying to get caught back up. And as Dr. Chris Keim, who has been on the show twice says, it's not about time management, it's about energy management. So I'm trying to get my energy back. But things are going well, and I'm really excited about Moxie and Grit, which is my lifestyle apparel brand that I just launched about a week ago. You guys were doing the pre-orders of the unicorn socks, but now they're available full-time. Go to moxieandgrit.com, M-O-X-Y and grit.com, or go to Instagram, and the link is on there as well. And we're going to be doing a new sock design every four to six weeks, so I think it's going to be really fun and really interesting to get to flex my creativity muscle in a different way. 
Big thanks to those of you who have been contributing to my work in a number of ways. Some of you have been screenshotting and sharing the show on social media. That definitely helps get the word out, and I really appreciate that. The show has been growing every month, and it's really encouraging to see. And also thanks to those of you who are contributing to my work financially on Patreon. Patreon's a website for crowdfunding to help support the show, so thank you to those of you who are doing that. Let's get into the show with Jane Esselstyn. Here we go. Jane Esselstyn, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I've gotten to talk to the whole family. I'm ready to be adopted. No, we will. There's more of us. I've actually got three brothers and three sister-in-laws and there's 20 of us. So you have not yet talked to family. You've got your missions just beginning. My mission has just, is it mission impossible? I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What, like what's Thanksgiving like at your house with so many people? Oh, it's, it's actually great because, you know, we've got some family here in Cleveland, like I'm not just Esselstyn family, but some like my mom's siblings, kids and cousins, et cetera. So instead of trying to do like one person cooking Thanksgiving, which I think is just almost abusive these days and how much is expected out of the meal and how many people will show up. So we do it as an absolute potluck and everybody brings extraordinary things. Like every person needs to bring something. So like I always make, well, my husband always makes his amazing stuffing, which is Brian stuffing in all of our books. And I usually just make mushroom gravy with my mom or I bring the, the cranberry salsa. Like, so I'm not, no one's overburdened, but we have this enormous buffet of the harvest because that's what Thanksgiving's about. Everyone's like, Oh, you poor dears. What do you possibly do at Thanksgiving? And we're like, <laughs> we rock. We, it's awesome. I mean, some people bring guacamole. I mean, they just, they bring a dish and one person does bring turkey for the people in the family who still, and not in the extended family who still might want to have some, but it's, it's funny. There's usually like the same little carcasses sitting there at the end of the, of the meal as it was when it began, you know, you just mashed sweet potatoes, mashed potatoes, all kinds of, I don't know. What, what is that called? What is a, I'm blanking everything now. You surprised me with the Thanksgiving question. Here in March. <laughs> but just, you know, root vegetable casserole thingies that, and, and they all make an effort to do it vegan because it's not that hard. And they, everyone wants to please each other at Thanksgiving and you're making one dish. So we have probably 30 people and 30 dishes. I mean, kids are bringing like disgusting, delicious, gross apple pies and <laughs> chocolate chip cookies or whatever. But every single person brings something. That sounds really great. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. Like a lot of times when I'll go to somebody's house for dinner, and this is a common question for people who eat plant-based diet. It's like, well, what do you do when you go to someone's house or you go to a party? And it's like, I always bring my own food. And it always turns out that people eat my food. And I'm bringing food so I actually have something to eat when I'm there. And then everybody wants to eat what I brought. And then all the other stuff isn't touched. So I think that's so funny that that happens all the time. Oh, and and they're like, oh, I'll try that. And you're like, great, I'm surviving on it. But you're trying it. So, okay, just take a little. Um, But also we we often pre-feed, like we pre-game, as they say, at home before we go somewhere. If we are, you know, thinking it might not be, you know, full of variety for us. Yeah, the pre-eat. Yeah, so I I guess so we should introduce you more officially to the audience. So you are a nurse, a registered nurse, and also you have written multiple cookbooks and have devised many delicious plant-based recipes. And what what am I missing? I, yeah, four cookbooks and 
I'm a nurse and I do research with the Cleveland Clinic and I run an event called Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease and Autoimmune Disease. This year was the second part of that title for women event annually. And like we just, I think it was last, I'm sort of still fried. I think it was 10 days ago. It was March 10th. Yeah. What is, yeah. 10 days ago was the event Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease and Autoimmune Disease for Women. And it was awesome. So we sold out. We had, had 101 on the wait list. Wow. And on the wait list. Yes, it was so fun. And, and it was just this spectacular panel of amazing docs. Almost all of them are, are women, except for my father. He's an honorary woman for the day. <laughs> Did he wear a wig? And we just die. No, no. <laughs> we just die deep into the whole, the power of the plant-based approach. And some of these doctors are sensational. Like Two of them themselves had horrible, crippling autoimmune diseases. One had MS when she was like 28 in medical school, literally couldn't walk down the hall of the hospital to help other patients because she was her legs felt like somebody else's legs like they were that wow. detached her and she's in the like resident break room it happened overnight sarai stanzik as her name and you know took her a while to discover it plant-based diet got on board boom boom now she is totally plant-based and has gone into lifestyle medicine herself and she is helping people with autoimmune diseases and you know western lifestyle diseases left and right, uh, right there out of the New York area. And she's completely, she runs marathons now. She went from being crippled in their 20s, looking like you, I don't know, you look like you're 12, uh, <laughs> to now she's my age and she's like cranking out marathons. And she does walk with the doc appointments with her patients. It's the story that you do not hear told often. And another t um, doctor, very similar arc of her story, rheumatoid arthritis, which, you know, is incredibly crippling and sort of, goes you know attacks different joint groups and anyway she couldn't really walk she couldn't hold her children she couldn't do much and she's this cardiologist she's like i'm you know i'm a cardiologist i'm i know everything i'm amazing nothing can happen to me her name's monica agarwal and she now does triathlons and yoga and has as many autoimmune patients as she does heart patients so these women are just badass and it was awesome to have them there and OBGYN and dr ann bingham from connecticut talking about women from head to toe, how she's helping them, and Michelle McMacken, who's also from the New York area. Anyway, the point is that it was filled with these amazing women who are carrying this message forward, and they're going to be, they're just, they're turning around, as my dad says, turning around the Queen Mary, which takes <laughs> a while, but we're, we're trying to do just that. Anyway, so I have this conference. Obviously, I'm very excited about it. Here, my conference. You know what it's going to be? Nope. It's going to be Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease and Alzheimer's disease for women awesome. because there's such exciting research around the shares eyes, you know, Dean and Aisha shares eye mm -hmm. there is out just now Alzheimer's solution. Mm -hmm. And there's subtitle is, uh, I could be getting it wrong because it's over there. It's uh, <laughs> how to prevent and reverse cognitive decline at every age and stage of life or something like that. And the point I, what jumped out to me is this prevent and reverse, which has been our, the brand of, you know, our prevent and reverse heart disease, prevent and reverse heart disease cookbook. My conference is Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease and, you know, blah, blah, blah for women. So I got in touch with them, and they're so excited to come and do an event with us. That's Next so March. cool. Put it on your calendar. I'm March 9th. It's on there. I'm going. <laughs> in Ohio, where else would you want to be in March? It's so true. You know, I think a lot of people just don't believe that eating a plant-based diet can actually do these things. And because my husband and I are always like, well, why don't people just change their diet? People that have MS, people that have some cancers, some heart diseases. Like there was a guy at his work who had heart disease and they basically told him like, 
you're toast, dude. You're going to like start preparing yourself. You're going to die. And, and Matt gave him your dad's book and his wife took one look at it and said, no, he's never going to eat like that. And the guy was like, nope, I'm not, I can't ever give up my meat. And he just, not my broccoli or my, my meat, my meat. And you know, this is at the, the last straw. Like it wasn't even that he had to just make a change just for general health. It was make a change, save your life. No, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even try it. And this is actually a common thing. Like we also have a family member who has rheumatoid arthritis and colitis and she she won't do it. So I want to talk about like, why do people have this resistance to making these changes in their life? Like, is it an identity thing that they're worried about? Like, well, who am I going to be? Are they worried they're not going to like the food? Like, what have you come across in your experiences? Oh, the exact same stuff. I mean, people are people. That's my husband always says, like, the only problem with like the world and all these systems and schools and everything is, is people. Mm. And it's also the beauty of it, us. We're the variety show. We're, we're all extremes of everything. And some people just need to hear, oh, plant-based diet can cure that. Boom. Done. Yeah. They don't need to hear a lecture. They don't need to see a documentary. They don't need to read a book. Boom. Done. Do it. But some people, they're wired differently. Like if someone told me like, oh, no, 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 you have to raise your children this way. I'd be like, excuse me. <laughs> this is the way I'm raising my kids. This is dear to my heart. This is like my religion of, and then, no, 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 you have to do, you have to raise your kids this way. Like, I can't think what other like core principle in myself that people would want me to change. That I'd be like, no, there's no way I'm changing that. That's the way I think some people feel about food is they're like, no, I'm not changing that. It's like changing a religion or a deep belief, a deep love, a deep connection they have with something because otherwise I can't understand why they wouldn't want to feel great. Like, you know, you're on a plant-based diet. You know what I mean? Like you feel great. My parents always say, my parents who are 84 and 83 or 82, whatever they are, they're in their eighties. They're completely active, running, biking, yoga, driving our carpools. They're driving to NCAAs with us this week to see my oldest daughter swim in NCAAs. I mean, they're driving their own car with no problem off to Indianapolis. They're taking care of our dog next week, like running with it. They are completely living their life the way they always have. And my parents always say, yeah, we want to live long, die fast, not, you know, live short and have this long, slow death. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. Prolonged death of inactivity and not living the way that you, you want to. So I don't know what people's hang up is. My husband might have. Brian, do you have any thoughts on people being hung up on that you want to chime in here? Uh, I feel like in all this work that we do with people and trying to help them transition is you have to remember that really what you're saying to people when you tell them to eat this way is that you are saying everything you, you believed in your whole life is wrong. And that's really, yeah, really that's hard true. to do. And I think that it's almost like saying to them, you know, like Christianity is not real or I mean, like we're not religious people, but I think it's almost like food, religion, politics. They all fall into the same category. And to think that they grew up building their whole life around this lie in how they understand nutrition, I think, is really what it is. And to tell people that is almost like saying, you know, you don't have any idea how the world works yeah. and it freaks them out and they don't want to believe that. And it's too hard. Let's face it. Humans, uh, you know, we, we build our whole lives around a lot of myths and I think this is just another one of them. And it's, it's, that's one of the reasons I got into plant-based eating in general was just, I felt like I hated being lied to and being lied and being, there's so many lies out there about nutrition. And, and after a while, it's just, you look for truth and you, hopefully you find it, but a lot of people don't want it. Yeah. That's my take. That was good. I liked it. (laughs) Yeah. He's good about that stuff. I'm always like, you know, (laughs) and that was Brian. Um, 
That was awesome. But yeah, I think the key is acceptance and like whenever there's people in your life that don't want to believe the same things you do, whether it be food, whether it be politics, whether it be religion, it's just accepting people and loving people after you've done everything you can. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah. For um, those of us who want to change our diet. So a big question I have for you is people ask me all the time, okay, I'm ready to make this transition. Like I'm part, I, I've been listening to your podcast or I, I see that you can be like an athlete and eat a plant-based diet. So what do I do? How do I make a change? And then I'll send them this list of cookbooks and I'm so excited and I'm just like, eat out of these cookbooks, it's going to be awesome. And that's not enough. That's not a good enough description of how to actually transition. So how do people make that transition? What would you say as somebody who's devised many recipes? Like what are the the step-by-step process? I would just get off the big word transition. Just just start. (laughs) Have oatmeal, have a hummus sandwich and have pasta and red sauce. You've been eating that your whole life. It isn't a big transition. There's new... (laughs) it just just do it you already have been doing it so much of what we eat as humans already is grain greens and beans whatever it's based on a plant-based diet it's not that weird and strange and new or foreign or needs to be transitioned to like (laughs) it just sounds like it involves like an intervention and writing letters everyone you know and i don't know (laughs) It's not like it's not that big of a deal. That's true. But it's just how it just okay. This is how you're going to tweak yourself into just tweak it. All right. So when you have oatmeal in the morning, just make oatmeal. Put a cinnamon stick in your oatmeal with the water and the oats when it's cooking. The cinnamon stick, not not you know, I'm gesturing the bottle. Put a cinnamon <laughs> stick in there. Put an old brown banana without the skin in there, and you've got banana bread oatmeal with this incredible sweetness that comes from the cinnamon bark itself. And if you don't have cinnamon stick, just put in some cinnamon. And that's similar or the same, or just have, you know, a bowl of grape nuts with oat milk or almond milk. And you're only tweaking the kind of milk you're having instead. But keep the fruit on top. Don't put any cow's milk in there. Just, so just tweak it like that. Our book, The Seven Day Rescue, we really tried to simplify, you know, just bowls. Have this for breakfast, this for lunch, this for dinner. Bowl, bowl, bowl. And, um, just having people choose what they want to have in their bowl and, you know, the foundation of just grains or in greens and beans with a little spark on top. We talk about spark as being, you know, sriracha or, or this amazing hummuses, you know, cranberry sauce or and the hummuses. Well, yes, there's amazing hummuses, and amazing salsas. Those are lifesavers in my eyes. Just believe, try the different salsas out there. Pineapple salsa, mango salsa, peach salsa. I saw an, a green apple salsa recently. We have one in our book, but I love this green apple salsa I just saw. My kids live off mango salsa and corn salsa on their everything. And my husband and I love the different hummuses we make. You know, We call them kind of butters also because they're spreadable. So we have kale butter, beet butter, caramelized onion hummus, garlic hummus. Just so much flavor out there to be had. And so tweaking your meal is more tweaking your diet is more this isn't big transition and they don't need a lot. I hate to say it. They don't need, don't need a lot of hand holding and coaching. Just start. Done, got done. Live out of the produce section. Live out of the farmer's market. Live out of your own garden. That's my two cents. Uh, I think the challenge though is like a lot of people, like if they're eating meat for their primary food at their mealtime, aside from breakfast, they're used to like cooking the chicken breast and then eating some vegetables on the side and maybe like a grain of some kind. So they have to mentally shift from, okay, well, I need to replace this, quote, protein source to something else. And 
it's the whole mind shift that we're all, Brian and you and I were just talking about. It's just that much animal protein shouldn't have not have been there in the first place. So that was like, that's your whoopsie. We're going to tweak it out of there, up the grain, up the greens, and you're going to be full. Put some beans on your plate if you are a proteinaholic. You don't need to be, as we all know. Protein's the what got us so sick in the first place. And again, there's so many recipes out there if you want to go big and busy, like a lasagna or, you know, uh, stuffed peppers or there's just, there's lots of things you can do that look like you've made a dish for dinner, but we really live out of bowls. We live out of like a Chipotle style. We've got three teenagers, just a Chipotle style scene. Like we'll have holy pasta with this, 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 and this, and this. I mean, Brian and I like everything. They like this and this, and maybe that, you know, they don't do the whole boom or, you know, rice, beans, this, 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 this. So someone who usually makes a lot of meat for themselves, they'll save a ton of money a ton of time and a ton of risk for all those sort of, I don't know, that icky bacteria that goes along with that stuff. I mean, I feel like I would have to put on like biohazard gloves <laughs> and to, to make meat some, you know, in the kitchen <laughs> and then throw away the pan and this and the, in the sink and the oven. <laughs> but to, to get away from that meat centric diet, like you just, your mindset, just tweak it to throwing more grains and greens in there. Just think about the whole world. Like most of the world does not eat cannot kill, cannot afford, and their bodies know they don't need that much meat in a day, in a meal. Not Certainly not every bite. Nice. Yeah, so from, uh, and I'm, I'm just harping on this protein thing because, of course, that's the most common question. So I've heard people say, well, I'm allergic to beans or I don't like beans or beans give me too much gas. I don't want to eat beans. So what can I eat instead? Oh, they don't have to eat beans. But, well, just a comment about beans, as you probably know, if they don't like beans, ask if they like hummus. Because sometimes people do like hummus, or they've had it, or they can, their body doesn't mind it. And I think what is successful about hummus for people is that the beans are cooked and mashed and then really ground up. For some people, eating a whole bean, it's kind of rough on their system, especially if they haven't been doing that. And this question now is leading us into microbiome. Like they, what makes them feel upset inside is that they're used to being clogged up and probably having no gas or anything. But what is happening in your body when you have gas or you start like, oh, beans maybe feel bloated. Well, welcome to having a healthy biome. You want to welcome all this bacteria into your body that feeds and feasts on fiber and fiber is only found in plants. What makes your microbiome healthy is having fiber. That's the garden in which it grows. If you eat a a pill or something with God knows what is in there to get your probiotics. They're not, you know, within a couple hours, some of these bacteria are not even there anymore. They need this garden of fiber constantly going through you in order to grow and thrive. And that was a large part of what this whole conference we had 10 days ago was about is bugs over drugs, you know, microbiome over medication. So introducing beans into your life, smashed up, cooked, crushed, ground up, if you can't handle them whole, might be the way to sort of, you know, onboard them into your life and your diet. So I would talk, if people, over, protein is so frustrating because it somehow has won over in people's mind. But if you ask somebody what the appropriate amount of protein they think they need in a day, what it is, they probably can't tell you the answer. Yeah. It's less, it's less than 10% of the dietary caloric needs of any of us. Even if you're like a pregnant woman who has a broken leg and you lift weights and you're a bodybuilder and you're nursing, like you still don't need that much protein. And getting that 
in someone's mind is key. And also that there's no such thing as a protein deficiency. And there's being an RN, like there's not, no one is really, no one is hospitalized. There's no one, who do you know with a protein deficiency? You never even heard of it. We've never heard of it because it does, if you're eating enough calories, you're eating enough protein. I mean, there is a protein deficiency disease state called Kwashiorkor. And that's, you've probably seen the pictures in National Geographic of little kids with big distended bellies and their hair is losing color. And that's just lack of calories. They're not getting enough food because their mom had another baby. They stopped nursing. They're not getting enough calories. So how much protein do they think they need? They won't probably know. If they do, if they do know, they will probably be pushing towards the upper limit. Too much protein introduces disease into the body, the kidneys, the bones. It's sad what happens with too much protein. So, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, but does too much protein, even if it's a plant-based protein, does that still cause problems? You can't, good luck trying to get more than 10% of your, I mean, a plant comes with so much water, fiber, bulk, other stuff, like the ratio of, I mean, I'm talking whole food plant-based. If yeah. you're going to eat some sort of dehydrated, isoflavored, isolated <laughs> protein, I'd say, no, don't do that. Whole food plant-based diet, it's hard to get over the 10% protein in your diet, eating the variety of colors and eating the variety of fruits and vegetables, grains, greens, berries, etc. You can't get over, you really can't get over 10%. So mother nature, if you ever, whatever you believe in, mother nature kind of designed it that way. And it's really matches the diet that we were designed or food we were designed to eat as, you know, humans on the earth. Yeah, like if you're eating 2,000 or 3,000 calories, 10%, that's a lot of protein. And I, a lot of times people will change their diet and they'll say, well, you know, I'm not feeling so good. I, I must have a protein deficiency. And like on my Facebook, they'll write that. And so I'll ask, well, what does a protein deficiency feel like? And they say, well, I feel tired. And I say, well, you're probably just not getting enough calories total to begin with because if you are eating whole foods plant-based as an athlete, you do have to pay attention and eat more calories because your stomach gets full because it's high volume eating. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say more calories, but what happens is when people are eating not the whatever, I'm just imagining this lonely white plate with a like a chicken leg. <laughs> but when you change the quality of what you eat, you need to increase the quantity. Like you need to eat more food. If you're an athlete and you're training, you need to eat more food. You're not going to be getting more calories necessarily because especially if they're, you know, complex carbohydrates and fruit and vegetables and all that stuff, you're not getting any you're getting a lot of water, a lot of fiber. You just need to eat more food, stay full and satisfied. People who go off, you know, are still eating a little like cup of oatmeal like this in the morning. When they see like the trough of food that we eat in the morning, <laughs> yeah. my mom blows people away. She's this little like, <laughs> she eats barrels of food a day. And you, you just would never know it. But you know, her friends were eating these little this and then they're so hungry and then they have a little snack and they want to have a bar. We don't really eat between meals because we eat so much. Mm-hmm. Don't, if, you're not, if you're getting hungry between meals, you're not eating enough of a meal, just by definition. Mm-hmm. Okay, so going back to if people want to start introducing more plant-based meals into their, their life, number one is oatmeal. Oatmeal every day, and my dad actually has changed to eating oatmeal every day from eating like just you know processed food cereal with milk. He eats oatmeal every day with ground flax. And you said bowls. So cooking a type of grain, whether it be like whole wheat pasta, quinoa, rice, like whatever, um, and then adding in some vegetables and adding in some beans or can people add tofu or tempeh if they want? Sure. I mean, that's fine. This, the, whole, the best thing you can do is in your mind is to not lean on 
that protein myth. It's a complete myth. And like the, the movie Game Changers, which is coming out soon. Have you heard about Game Changers? I have, yeah. Game Changers hopefully will just take this to task because it is such a myth that we need protein to be strong. I mean, the, some of the best athletes out there are vegans <laughs> and or that we need flesh or meat. It's, it's, it's awesome. But if you want to add in some tempeh or tofu, that's fine. I mean, I'd say we have tempeh, I don't know, two, three times a year and tofu maybe twice a month. Mm-hmm. So okay. not that often at all. Okay, so they have the bowl, and then we're going to add the spark. But something that I know is really important is to make sure that you're not adding in, like, some sort of processed sauce, like a sauce with oil in it, a a salad dressing sauce. So I want to talk about oil. We spoke about this with your dad on a previous episode, but I want to talk with you about this on, okay, so we don't want to have oil in our diet because it screws up the endothelial lining of your vessels. Correct. Yeah, so you don't need it. So we are all, well, yeah, we don't have, we don't cook with oil or add it or use it. But, and we have all been raised with my dad who is prevent and reverse heart disease and heart disease patients, please clear loud. Do not write emails to her about this. We are working with people with heart disease and they are really good at laying down plaque and that the components come from their diet, what they eat. So we really want them off, you know, no oil, no avocado, no nuts, none of that stuff. And these are his patients. Like they had stents, they have angina, They've had bypass. Some of these have failed. So they really have to stick with this program, period. And it's like enough clinical stuff. So, but we were raised eating without oil. And it's a great habit to get into. You don't need it. It adds these invisible calories. It adds just this layer of, are you eating the kale chips? Sorry. Here. No, I just, I just make, I, I made kale chips just now for our, we're going on a road trip tomorrow. And I thought he was eating them. I was like, oh, it's for our road trip. I wish I could reach through that screen and eat them so I could get in trouble. (laughs) It's really crunchy. You hear that? Oh, it sounds good. So tell us us about these kale chips. What's on there? Okay, I will, but let me finish about about oil. So because we sort of all grew up eating this way and not not using oil and not needing it, like it is a great way to prevent not getting like to be a junk food vegan because there's so much food out there as, you know, people who are plant-based or vegan and they can put oil all over it. And it's junk food. Like it is, I see these people with um, cookbooks that have like coconut oil based brownies. And I'm like, well, no wonder they taste good because you're just, this is worse for you than an actual brownie probably is. <laughs> or, you know, stir fries that are glistening. And I think, oh my God, who'd want to eat that? Like the vegetables are probably like full of vitamins and minerals and they've got three calories and the oil is like 500. And the other thing is about um, nuts and avocado. And the books I do with my brother, Rip, where he is working on just getting people into having healthy eating habits. We, of course, do no oil because it's a wonderful thing to get away from, just to not have oil in your house, not have oil, you know, in your wheelhouse. We have no oil in any of the, any of the books we do together, but we do have a little bit of avocado and a little bit of nuts. And this throws people off like, wait, the Esseltons are saying this, and then they're saying that, and they're saying yes, and then no. And we are not working with people with heart disease with Engine 2, which is the, my brother Rip's, you, you know, you talk to him. Our focus is just like getting people healthy, getting them off the white bread and the bologna, getting them to <laughs> get, you know, getting them eat this sandwich. And if you need to put a little bit of avocado in there, fine. Or make this sauce. It's a great dressing. If you need to put a handful of walnuts in there to make it have a little more body for you, fine. But that's not what my dad would ever let his heart disease patients do. 
they got to get out of the red zone. They got to get out of that scary stuff. Yeah, I think that oil, we've just been programmed to saute with oil. And mm -hmm. that was a big change for me whenever I changed my diet. I didn't eat a lot of meat or dairy to begin with. So getting rid of that stuff wasn't that hard. But yeah. it was the oil because I didn't know. Yeah. Like everyone's like, olive oil is so healthy for you. So I would make these like beautiful like veggie pasta dishes. And then I would dump olive oil all over it. And I would like saute everything in oil thinking this is healthy for you. But the interesting thing is when you stop eating oil, you don't really miss it. Like there's no flavor. And whenever I, if I go out to eat, yeah. what, what was for, that? Ten, for the first 10 days, you miss the mouthfeel. But then afterwards, how did it feel to you if, if when you ever run across oil, how's it feel oh, to you? I was, I was just about to say, like, if I go out to eat somewhere and they, they like cover everything in oil and it's gross, like it feels all slimy. And I, I really dislike high oil now in my diet. And it's very obvious when something has a lot of oil in it. Because it doesn't add any value to the meal. It just makes it like slimy. Slimy and higher in calories and gives you the foundation for heart disease, my dad would say. I always compare it to like somebody melted chapstick all over my meal or someone put sunscreen <laughs> all over my vegetables. And I'm like, oh, it just feels like it's all over your chin and your cheeks, your lips, and you're just, your gut feels totally rocked like the next day or even that night. Anyway, even, even my kids noticed it. Like my daughter, you saw her walking back here. She's, they all were like, this was good, but it was really greasy. Didn't, it wasn't healthy. Mm -hmm. They're just used to not having an oily diet. That's really cool. So, yeah, I want to get back to actually talking about your kids a little bit, but I want to go back to sautéing. So I just said don't sauté in oil, and people probably thought to themselves, well, you have to sauté in oil. What else are you going to sauté with? So what do you recommend as a, as a chef? Just heat. Because, like, the vegetables already have water in them, so they'll release right. the water. Just heat in a pan. I know people are like, well, no, 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 it's so unsexy. Come on. <coughs> I mean, if you have something that, like garlic, will burn in the pan, so you have to put a little broth or put a little water or wine or beer, whatever you're working with. Jack Daniels. <laughs> I've never tried the Jack um, Daniels. I have tried wine, beer. I, I'll make like, put miso paste and then make like a little bit of a miso broth with that. Yeah, great. Yeah, water. So yeah, anything, can, anything but oil. <laughs> yeah, just it's amazing how people you don't have the aromatic smell that the oil brings, but you know, just keep going, keep cooking, it'll go, it'll work, it'll work. And like for salad dressings, if you go buy a salad dressing, the foundation is usually like a really crappy kind of oil. And you guys have multiple salad dressing recipes. So what is the key ingredient in your salad dressing recipes? Oh, we've got a bunch. One of the part of the feedback of one of our. Uh, my friend, my mom and I, the cookbook I did with my mom, pardon me, um, was on Amazon. Someone's comment was, thank you for all the no oil cooking ideas, but you have too many salad dressing options. And I was, <laughs> that is the best bit of negative feedback I've ever gotten. But one thing that I love, like my favorite base for a dressing, and people have different, you know, preferences or flavor profiles. I like one I call three, two, one. And it's three tablespoons of balsamic vinegar, two tablespoons mustard, one tablespoon maple syrup. And, th and that's the found that's like three, two, one. That's fine as is. But to that, you can add all kinds of here. Look at, look at the kid, kid having a kale chip. Yum. See, she, you're not supposed to eat that. <laughs> yeah, just prove her to eat it. There you go. Then the, you can add garlic to that. You can add horseradish. You can add pepper, thyme. Whatever you want to add to give it a little more complexity to the flavor. Oh, a lemon. A lemon's the best in there. But that's good. My mom and dad 
don't like to have their patients have any like excess of sugar or sweeteners. So a little bit of maybe some maple syrup and a dressing is okay. But so their options don't often include a maple syrup. But one of the foundation for my mom and dad's favorite dressing is this great blend of a little bit of hummus, balsamic vinegar, orange juice or from, from an orange, and then the mm. sections of the orange in there. And maybe ginger if you want to have some ginger that night. And there you go. And then mustard if you have it. So you just you just think, okay, instead of using oil, here's a little hummus or here's a little mustard. There's plenty of stuff out there that's coating even a mango if you want to go with the sweet profile. A mango can be so juicy sometimes. Like if the chunks are good, but it gets so juicy. You could throw the mango in the salad and it dresses itself. Anyway, it's beautiful how creative you can get out there with options that are not oil. Yeah, it's super interesting too because like when you start eating salad, as you mentioned, without dressing, if you get a salad with dressing on it, it's just weird. It's just like a creepy salad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so um, you mentioned um, maple syrup over sugar, and I know you guys recommend using tamari over salt. So can you talk right. about that a little bit? Like why those are better? Just because of cookbooks and stuff, we want to be consistent in what we use as sweeteners. So we use sometimes 100% fruit jams, you know, like 100% like a raspberry jam. It's just made with raspberries or 100% apricot jam. Apricot jam I use in a couple of recipes just because it such a uh, not overwhelming flavor. It's just a light sweetness. Apricot jam. Sorry, it's kind of, there you go. So apricot jam I use a little bit of just 100%. Again, it's got the fiber in it and it's got all those vitamins and water. And, or we use maple syrup. Or dates are mostly only a few desserts we do. We don't want to do date paste or date sugar or whatever. Date. I mean, see, I'm, I'm not familiar with it. But we use maple syrup because it makes us sort of self-govern. It's so expensive. So you just don't want to use, it's like using liquid gold. And we don't want to use honey because we have so many vegan friends and we don't want to offend them or we don't want to, you know, take the food food or whatever it is for the bees. They're, I think honey's their food. I could be their waste. I don't even really know. We just don't want to bother the bees. And just, we don't use a lot of it because you feel like you're just, you're pouring this liquid sweetener and it just feels like, whoa, enough, enough, enough. Mm-hmm. And then okay. t- tamari? Oh, tamari. Tamari is, we use that pretty much instead of salt. I like to do it because lots of our events have people who claim or do have gluten allergy or sensitivities. And I know it's kind of a trending thing, but it is very real for very many people. And I want to be respectful of that. So a tamari is a gluten-free soy sauce. And we use a low-sodium tamari. It's got a nice salty flavor, but it's not just pure salt and once you start to down not keep uploading all the salt into your diet you realize that you can can change your taste and tamari i feel like is just again kind of like maple syrup you're pouring this stuff all over your food and you i mean shaking on this invisible stuff that dissolves you don't even see it but tamari changes the color it's there it's but from, like, but from like a sodium perspective, like if somebody has high blood pressure or they're trying to lower their blood pressure, doesn't the sodium in tamari still affect you like salt would? There's been some studies with miso, which is a very kind of a also a sort of a soy based product, if you will, that have shown that the a miso soup's effect on blood pressure is almost positive. I've tasted some miso soups I couldn't swallow. They were so salty to me. <laughs> So I, I don't know, I, I, who knows what this study was based on, but the fact that 
they were like, no, oh, this is interesting. This miso, maybe because it has more than just the sodium content of salt, it has, you know, all those fermented other good things. I, I don't know. I don't claim to know. But we, yeah, we definitely do not want to have, we want to have minimal salt in the diet and minimal sweet. So we use very minimal amount of tamari, very mm-hmm. minimal maple syrup or fruit sweeteners just for wellness. I mean, it, it's, you're not going to get healthy eating salts and sweets. Yeah. And something interesting that I've noticed. So my husband's trying to lower, like he doesn't have high blood pressure, but he wants to have the ideal blood pressure. Like he wants to have blood pressure close to a hundred. So he's, he's, and mine is, which is kind of nice, but he's trying to reduce the sodium in his diet because he eats a whole foods plant-based diet. And he's noticed that if he reduces the sodium, his blood pressure does go down. So we've noticed that Bragg's aminos actually have less sodium than low, less sodium than tamari. That's great. I should have mentioned that. Then that's just fine. If you like that, I don't love the taste of Bragg's just personally. I don't know why. I wish I liked it more. So that's just up to you. And it's it got a little spray bottle. It's kind of it's wonderful how it um it's a nice variety. And just blood pressure, if you ask to any any clinician, blood pressure is a little bit like personality. Some people have loud, strong, hey, hi, this is that, it's Kelly Run. This is how this, this is my baseline. I have a lot of energy. Or some people are a little like this is just their baseline. They're kind of more mellow and Blood pressure is kind of the same way. It organically has its own baseline. So if he knows what that is, that will be a great thing to just believe in. Like, okay, this is where my personality, my baseline is. Mm-hmm. People make a certain amount of cholesterol in their liver, liver. It is not uniform. You can have two different sized people on the same diet and the little person's making more cholesterol than the big, than the big person. doesn't mm-hmm. make much sense, but that's the way the body is. Everybody's body is a little different, but we all do live within a similar, you know, bell curve of in an area. So if your husband's going to healthy range, I wouldn't fret over too much tweaking of or eating bland, bland food. Just steer clear of any, you know, microgram of sodium. But just having a good sense of where, where the your um, what your baseline is. Yeah, and I think like as athletes, we think, oh, we're we're, not, we're we can't have high blood pressure. We're we're not prone to that, but. A friend of mine, he's a pro mountain biker, and he had high blood pressure, like in the 130s. And he changed his diet to a plant-based diet because of that. And you can't feel it when you have high blood pressure. So I encourage everybody listening just to get a good baseline of what your blood pressure is, because even though you exercise and you're eating like moderately healthy, that's not a guarantee that you're going to have a healthy blood pressure. And there's no way that you'll know until you actually test it. Yeah. And some athletes, I have, again, I don't claim to be a professional about any of this stuff. Making recipes, I will get in there and fight, but not with this stuff. But athletes do sometimes have elevated blood pressure because of what they're asking their hearts to do. And that's something we can further research. But I wouldn't be too too worried about a healthy athlete with eating a healthy diet and having a little bit of an elevation in their cholesterol, or, or sorry, blood pressure compared to some peers who are not working out as hard as they are. So what's the foundation of, like, what's your process of planning recipes? So I, I've tried to make my own recipes before instead of just going off of a book. But I don't always know exactly how to start or how to even go about that. So what's your process when you're planning new recipes? I don't know. They did, it's funny. I don't even know. <laughs> just start mixing stuff together. <laughs> you just, yeah, like like last night, we some friends asked us to dinner. And, you know, you go uh, to dinner in this place. And, you know, you see, I, I look at the menu. And I'm like, oh, like that's where I saw the apple slaw. Like that, an apple slaw could be cool. Like I know theirs is going to come with like cream cheese or not cream cheese, what's it called? Mayo or whatever, creamy something on it and 
probably bacon bits in it. I mean, who knows what's in an apple slaw at this restaurant? But that gives me an idea. So I go, oh, play with that. What is apple slaw? What would be in it? And then I tweak it for what I was in our, you know, in our parameters. If it's good, I'll try it again and again, serve it to others, have them try it, tweak it, have them make it. So it's just, it just, the inspiration comes from wherever. And of course, obviously living in America, we want to try to make, you know, good burritos or pizza or pasta or a burger or, uh, you know, sweet potato fries or, you know, things that are out there in our culture right now. And I think like Chipotle is doing an interesting job of meeting people where they can kind of make their own food. Granted, their food is greasy and they only offer, offer white flour tortillas. And it's not, I don't love that. I'm not promoting it at all, but it's interesting how it's coming towards. They offer a lot more plant-based stuff. They've got their little meat section, but you can just skip right by that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I also think people who like a question is, well, what do I eat if I'm traveling? And I, I travel quite a bit and I go to Qdoba and Chipotle is a great option when I'm like They usually have a, a Qdoba or a Chipotle in an airport and I just get it without the tortilla. I just get the bowl and I get like tons of salsa on it and it's awesome. Yeah, we travel a lot. And when we um, some airports are amazing, they have these usually it's in the West, not really in the East that much, but in the West, like Houston, maybe Colorado and California, they'll have like one place was a plant-based cafe. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Like, I didn't care how expensive it was going to be to eat in the airport. I was thrilled. And other places have all sorts of options. And one has like a Buddha bowl. I'm like, I'm all over that Buddha bowl. Thank you. And it's easy to get, you can always get oatmeal at Starbucks and you can always find a someplace that has a salad bar or, or a, you know, a hummus option or a sandwich or even a good burrito place and just say, can I get no burrito, just the rice and the beans and some of your cool salsas and toppings and hot sauces and, or get the burrito if it's whole grain. Great. It's, it's not hard. It's just, you guys have to work a little bit. Okay. And on the topic of restaurants providing healthy options for us plant-based people, a lot of, there's like a craze about green juice. Like I'm going to get a green juice and not even a green smoothie, but like a green juice. <laughs> I wish you guys could see her face right now. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble asking this, but Okay, so what would you say to people who are doing these juice cleanses or think that they're being healthy by drinking green juice? Oh, you can see by my face. I just, it, it's, this is like as bad as a protein question. Like, <laughs> That's my job. Liver, your <laughs> liver's job, are, your liver detoxes your body, period, done. Like we all know that, you all know, like if you drink a lot of alcohol, your liver's going to take a hit because it's, you know, helping to detox all that. But your liver is constantly doing its own detox. So just let it do its thing. If you have a really, really, really horrible diet, like if you wake up and have a bag of churros and then for lunch you have <laughs> deep fried cheese injected meat lover pizza and then for dinner you just eat a packet of bacon. Like if, if you're eating that awful of a diet, I'd say sure, start drinking green juice and only green juice for like a week and then start eating plants. Like if, if, if you need to seriously reboot off of a disgusting meat-based diet, then, okay, I get it. But this whole green juice thing is just like having juice. I mean, yes, it's green. It's got some kale in there or spinach or whatever is making it look green. Some people, it's just like having a, you know, just a apple juice, which is just a hit of sugar without the fiber and without the skin and the pulp and all the good stuff that comes with the whole apple, the whole single serving apple. Mother Nature did a great job with all these single serving, well-packaged, travelable things called fruit or even veggies. 
but to to strip it of all of its good stuff and just take the sugary, juicy, sweet stuff inside is it's a shame. And then to add some green to it to make it be a green juice, it's a great marketing idea. It's a big hit of sugar in your stomach and it spikes your insulin and insulin growth factor IGF-1, which is a tumor, whatever. You know what? It's just a cascade of events you don't want to have going on in your body, period. But some people do drink a green smoothie thing, uh, which is a different thing than green juice. And some people have a green smoothie. They're having the whole green, like they're putting a whole head of kale in there, for example, and then maybe a little bit of mango to make the, so they can swallow it. That is a serious, not flavorful, not sweet, yummy thing. But they, if they can get that down, maybe they're eating that much kale in a day to get all that good, healthy omega-3 in there because they're sick or have an autoimmune disease, like that's a different, that's almost a medicinal amount of greens. And like, I know that Brooke Goldner, who's an MD, she has a wonderful program, which she uses these green smoothies in a different way than what you're talking about. This is not a restaurant. This is like at home. This is a very, very close to a medicinal therapy, the way that they use this green smoothie. And, but like, if, if I saw you walking down the street and you said, oh my gosh, Jane, I have a question for you. I said, oh, great. What is it? do you want to have a green smoothie? I'd say, no. You're like, oh, but it's so good. And it's so good for you. I'd say, I want to eat my meals. I want to eat whole food, plant-based diet. That's where I want to invest my consumption time, my quality of my calories. I want them to be whole food, plant-based, not to drink some steel blade shredded grains or greens. Like your body's going to absorb what it's supposed to absorb from the greens that you have chewed, the way that your body and ecology has have created you as a human on this earth like you're going to break down greens in your belly how you're supposed to people often say oh you can't absorb everything from greens i'm like well then we're not supposed to we did not evolve with cuisinarts in the field <laughs> we evolved with our, with our you know teeth to grind it and our alpha amylase to break it down and then every other thing in our system that helps you know make it absorbable but it's just i, I think it's over the top green juicing it's a reductionist it's and my husband's over there saying it's a reductionist way of thinking mm -hmm. like it's very American. oh greens are good make a juice make a pill make it this make it injectable like just sit down and eat a kale salad or a collard wrap or spinach it doesn't throw you up either. and yeah it, and he's over here chiming in still mm -hmm. he's like it doesn't fill you up and these because anything with a high sugar spike without the fiber in there it's not gonna stay in your belly and it's really not healthy. Yeah, for sure. And if you look at the ingredients of a green juice, the green part is normally like the fourth ingredient. It's usually like apple juice or orange juice or something like that. But with green smoothies, I think that a lot of times people reach for them because they don't, they don't make time to sit down and eat a meal. So they want to drink their meal so that they can move out through their day quicker. Or um, a lot of athletes think, well, I need a recovery shake when I finish my bike ride some water and have lunch. Yeah. Like when I finish bike ride, people are always asking me, well, what do you, what's your recovery drink? And I say, I don't, I don't do a recovery drink. I eat, I eat a meal when I finish my ride because I want to yeah. eat food. And you know, I do have green smoothies here and there, but like you said, it, it's a very healthy smoothie. And I'll tell my husband, like, here's a green smoothie. It's going to taste really healthy because it, there's not a whole lot of fruit in there. There's not a sweetener in there. It's very green heavy. And for me, it's a really great way to get ginger, raw ginger and raw turmeric into me. Um, and I, I love the taste of that stuff. So, yeah. I think a lot, I think a lot of times. <laughs> I I'm, love I'm this. Athlete, sorry, I'm jumping. At I love it. So I'm an athlete as well. And I find that a lot of people 
that I experience in the athletic world will often see smoothies as like a part of a, a balance. They'll say, well, I ate kind of crappy for lunch, so I'm going to have a smoothie to kind of balance that out, which is such terrible thinking because they, you know, I can't tell you how many people I come across. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm healthy. I, I drink these smoothies in the morning and then the rest of their day they eat like crap. <laughs> and then you think, oh, well, I've laid a foundation of smoothies so that now I'm good. It's it's just really interesting. It's Again, it's like this. It's the psychology of making healthy choices is so fascinating because people, I think, you know, are constantly playing this game of like, do I, you know, have I eaten well today? Am I, you know, is this an A day or a B day? And I think a lot of people think, oh, if I throw a smoothie and then it becomes an A day. So anyway, sorry. No, that's good. And and yeah, for those of you listening, Brian's done multiple Ironman triathlons and um, I, I did a little bit of web stalking. So, you know. <laughs> Well, great. So I think to wrap this up, I'm going to ask you just a few questions of things people need to buy for their kitchen. Like you mentioned Cuisinart, but if you're chopping up lots of vegetables, should people buy a food processor or should they just do it with a knife? No, food processors for making like, you know, sauces and um, things like that. Like what are the key things people need to buy if they want to start incorporating more vegetables into their diet? Just buy the vegetables. For, well, for their kitchen, like for ease of I'm ease of cooking. I'm not gonna give you anything because all you need is a knife and a cutting board. You don't, you don't need nothing. Don't need anything. All right. <laughs> I know. People are like, oh, then I can't do it. There's not one hurdle. That's a good point. There's not one hurdle. Like that's a, knife. That's that's true. And like even with sports, board. Ruin your cu- kitchen counter. Who cares? <laughs> and a knife or your teeth. Just you don't need anything really. Yeah. Okay, I like that because, yeah, sometimes people won't get into a sport because they're like, well, I need to have the fancy watch and the fancy shoes and all this stuff, and then they just don't no. start. So that's a, no. that's a good point. No hurdles. No hurdles. All right, Jane. Well, will you name off your books? That way people can go buy them, and I'll put them in the show notes. The Engine 2 Cookbook with my brother Rip just came out in December. It's gorgeous, and it's by Rip Esselstyn and Jane Esselstyn. The Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease Cookbook by Anne Esselstyn and Jane Esselstyn. I have that one. <laughs> And Plant Strong, which is myth-busting in the front and then recipes in the back. It is by, it says by Rip, but recipes by Jane. And the Engine 2 7 Day Rescue Diet, Eat Plants, Lose Weight, Save Your Health by Rip Esselstyn and the recipes by Jane Esselstyn there on the first page. Cool. So, so like with that one, if somebody wants to do just like seven days of a plant-based diet, like everything's in there like the recipes every single meal what to do great super getting started trip the wire all right and i know you have a youtube channel so can you tell us what that is Uh, my channel is just at jane esselstyn and we just talk about my mom and i are doing it so we're talking squarely to heart disease patients most of the time i occasionally i will talk about engine two which again is a big difference we try to be clear like this is the we call it plant perfect and plant strong. Plant perfect is the heart disease patient focus and plant strong is more the engine two guidelines. No meat, no dairy, no added oil, minimal salt, minimal sweet. And in that we have a little avocado and a few nuts, not much, but it's fun to do it with my mom. I love, I feel in a sort of endearing way, like I'm archiving her because she's such a, she's such a funny resource. She didn't know what it was at first. So she sat there the first, I don't know if you watched it, but the first few, she's sitting there kind of grumpy with this frown on her face, like, what is this? All these cameras. What? This is just, this is ridiculous. This is, you know, because every time we talk and present, she's hilarious. I never know what she's going to do. We're in front of this big audience or whatever, or in a classroom. And she's comfortable because she sees what we're doing. But here we have cameras looking at us. There's no one here. 
it's quiet. She's like, what is this? And then when she saw, you know, we've had 100,000 views. I, I mean, that sounds braggadocious, but we've had a lot of views. People are using this. Yeah, people research. like it. We're not glam. look just like this. We're not glammed up. We're in our running clothes or, you know, with our great hair, great hair <laughs> and no makeup. Um, and it, it's it's serving its purpose. And she sees that now. So she's like, oh, okay. What I'm going to do next time on YouTube? And she's all fired up. So I love did I get to do this with my mom? That's really cool. It's really cool as a family that you guys all get to share that, like, and that you're close to your family and that also you and your kids, they get a really good view of what aging is supposed to look like with your parents. That's awesome. Yep. yep. It's, it is, it is, it is cool. And, well, and guys, Jane's on Instagram as well. I follow her and she has a really fun account. So we'll put that in the show notes too. Oh yeah. I have Instagram. I don't know the exact thing underscores are in there and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. You're great. Thanks so much for, for getting me on today. That was fun. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah, March 9th, 2019. <laughs> See, I remembered <laughs> where you want to be. All right. Cool. Thanks so much. Hopefully we can meet in person someday. Absolutely. Okay. Bye. Jane is super fun to talk to and she's really funny as well. Now I know what her hot buttons are next time I see her. I'm gonna talk about juice. I'm gonna talk about the word transition, but all in all seriousness, I think that there's a lot to be said for getting rid of barriers that we put in front of ourselves with making change. And it doesn't just have to be diet, it could be anything. And it's really easy to just say, oh, well, I don't have this perfect, so I'm not gonna get started. And really, if you get started, that's gonna start moving you forward in the right direction. And I know for me personally, all the different ventures that I've tried in my life, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what the exact steps were, but I just got started and it always worked out in the end. I always figured it out as I went. So I think that that's a really cool little lesson to pull out of this podcast. In addition to all the really great information about eating a plant-based diet. Make sure you connect with Jane on social media and on her YouTube. I have watched her and her mom on some of those videos and Jane is right. Her mom, Anne, can be really funny and unpredictable in a really good way. And you guys don't wanna miss out on that. And she also had some really good cooking tips like how to actually cook kale, how to massage kale. I think kale gets massaged more than I do. I think that's really not fair. One last thing, if you guys are interested in plant-based nutrition and just getting some more recipes and connecting with other people who eat that way, you're invited to join my Facebook group, The Plant Power Tribe. You don't have to be 100% plant-based to join it. It's just for fun. It's just for us to have community around us and to just share the love. So I invite you guys go on Facebook and search for it or just go in the show notes and it's there. We post not even quite once a day so it doesn't overwhelm your Facebook, but it's just a really great place to have resources whenever you're looking at eating new foods or say you have a challenge that comes up. That's it for me, guys. We will see you back here next week. Wishing you all the best success in your training and adventures. Bye.